<laughs> Good morning. Welcome. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor, and it's such an honor to have you with us here today. I'm just so grateful to see you and be able to worship with you here to this morning. And I, I wanted to let you know that today is a special day because we are starting Fall Life Group signups today. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Hey, listen, fall life groups and life groups in general, it's one of the best things we can offer you as a church. It really is. You haven't really experienced what it's like to be a part of the gathering church until you've been in one of these life groups. They are so good. It is so important, I think, to be known by somebody, not just to be a, a face in an auditorium or, or somebody just walking in and trying to, to blend in. I, I think you need to be known and you need to be seen. And in our life groups, you can have the opportunity to find freedom. You can have the opportunity to grow and get into new places spiritually, and you can have the opportunity to have a good meal, okay? There's some, there's some good uh, family dinner style life groups where we just have some dinner and have some food and we just have life around the table. I, I would love uh, just to see you guys engaged in a life group. I really believe it'll bless you. We, we want you to have community and friends and, and to be known by somebody, and that's the way to do it. And so today is when we start life group leaders or life group signups, and you can do that. You can sign up for those today on our website, gatherashville.org. In a couple weeks, we're going to get our life group leaders out there for you to meet and get to know everybody before that semester starts. Uh, and so it's a great day to join a life group at the Gathering Church. Well, today, uh, I have a special message in mind. And today is really, it's a message for, for the church. I wrote this message uh, for the Christians in the room. And I don't do that very often, if I'm being honest. I like to try to uh, communicate a message that'll speak to everybody. And I always like to be thinking about how people who don't know Jesus are gonna get to enter into a relationship with him today. But every so often, I wanna take a step back and, and really address our family of believers. And so if you're new here today, you're gonna get to hear a little bit of my heart, my heart for this moment that we're in, this cultural season that we're in, the, the things that we're, we're hearing every day at the water cooler or, or standing in our driveways talking to our neighbors or on the phone with our families or in conversations with our friends. I want to speak my heart into that for a little bit today. Next Sunday, we're doing Vision Sunday, and if you come back, you'll learn really who we are as a church, and that we're not just going to get up and talk about projects and things that we have in mind. Really what I like to do on what we call Vision Sunday is preach the vision of our church, what we're here for, what we're called to do, who we believe we are meant to be. And so you'll learn about that next week, and then uh, we're starting this series in two weeks called You Asked For It, and if you don't personally know Jesus, I believe you're going to have some things uh, to engage with in that series, some, some questions to get answered and, and begin to decide if this journey uh, is one you're ready to begin. And so we've we got all kinds of exciting things coming up, but today I want you to know my heart as a pastor. I believe that it's my role to do everything that I can to help you form into a, a more spiritually mature person. I think that's the role of a pastor. I want to care for you. I want to develop you. I want to help you live in your purpose. And so this message comes from that place in my heart. In Mark chapter 15, we find Jesus dying on a hill that we call Calvary. And he's there to make a way for the sins of all of us 
to be forgiven and washed away. He's there because there is no more important place for him to be than on that hill on that day. In verse 30, someone yells to him, come down off that cross. But Jesus doesn't come down off that cross. He has the power to come off the hill he's dying on, but he doesn't do it. He stays right there because what he's doing is too important. Today's message is titled, Are You on the Right Hill? And today, more than ever, I see a lot of people of God ready to die on a lot of hills. But many of those hills look nothing like Calvary. As followers of Jesus, I believe we have been given a hill to die on. Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. And it's really important that we understand what that means for us as followers of Jesus and what that hill is for us. The hill that we are called to die on involves dying to ourselves so that we can serve others and lead them into everlasting life in a relationship with Jesus. I believe it's time for us to do some heart searching, some discernment in, our ho- in the spirit that lives inside of us into determining whether or not the hills we are on are the right ones or not. I want to encourage you this morning not to look to your left or your right. I think it's easy to be in a message like this and think, man, I must send this message to my brother later today because he needs to hear this. I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to write some quotes down that I can share with my neighbor tomorrow. It's easy for us to think about all the people that this message is for. But I would remind you of the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 3. And he says, look not to the speck in your own eye before you remove the plank in your, in your neighbor's eye before you remove the plank in your own. Listen, I want you to think about this for you, for your heart, in your context. This is not one side or the other. I'm not, getting, I'm not here to... to to talk politics with you today. In fact, if you're looking for the church where the pastor will talk politics with you, it ain't this one. What I'm here to do is talk the gospel with you today. And so whatever side of the aisle you fall on, whatever, whatever your beliefs are about this moment, this message today is not for the people around you, it is for you and for your heart. As we use wisdom and as we use discernment, in seeking out the things that matter most right now in this moment, where we should stand, what hills we should die on, what things we should promote more than anything else. Christians, I want us to just remember three things today. I'm gonna share three passages of scripture with you and talk about it for a minute. Three things to remember. Number one, remember who you are. I cannot say that sentence without hearing it in Mufasa's voice. Remember who you are. (laughs) Y'all have all seen The Lion King. Those of you that aren't laughing, you've seen it, you love it. It spans every generation. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're not your own. He's given you purpose, He's given you forgiveness, He's given you peace. 
He's given you joy. He's given you a life that is bigger than anything you ever could have asked or imagined. It's more fulfilling than any other pathway you could take. Remember that. Remember that, that fullness you received the day you entered into relationship with him. I remember longing and searching and feeling like I was never going to find the answers I was looking for until the day I entered into relationship with him. And I never felt so fulfilled. I had a lot of freedom to find. I had a lot of mess in my life. But I was whole. And it felt so different. So good. So fulfilling. So joyful. And that's what he's given us. And he's preparing for us a place in his kingdom that will last forever. That's what he's given us. But what he asks in return is that we would follow him and that we would follow him in complete surrender. Look at Corinthians chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 with me today. Paul is writing to the church and he's trying to help them understand who he is. He says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Paul isn't telling you to become a slave to everyone's expectations. He's not telling you to become some, some kind of people pleaser, always just trying to make everybody around you happy. What he is suggesting is that even though you don't belong to the people of this world, you have been called and you have been set apart to serve them and get the gospel message of Jesus into as many hearts as you can. And that means sacrificing for them and not expecting anything in return. The slave works and works and serves and serves and receives no reward in return. It means putting your wants and your desires and your expectations and your feelings and your reactions aside so that you can win people over for the cause of Christ. He goes on. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those who are under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law, so as to win those who don't have the law. To, to the weak, I became weak, so that I could win the weak. Christians, you're not here to be comfortable. I think there's a lot of talk about the things we can do or should do to be comfortable about, about the, the battles we should fight for what we want. And I believe the call upon us is something different. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. And I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. I believe that God wants you to enjoy life. I do. I think that he wants you to enjoy your life. And I think that there's a many different ways that he's given you to do that. 
And I believe he cares about the things that you care about, the issues, the, the people, the, the experiences that matter to you. I believe they matter to God. But I believe he has a priority in mind. Right now, we're tearing ourselves apart over a hundred different things. We're throwing stakes in the ground over what we are and what we are not willing to do. We're upset about COVID precautions being taken. We're upset about COVID precautions that are not being taken. We're upset at the expectations people have for us. We're upset with the government about what they're doing, what they're not doing. We can't believe someone would trust this person. We can't believe someone wouldn't trust that person. Anyone who disagrees becomes our enemy. Right now, we're all climbing on these hills just ready to die on them. We're ready to let our relationships die with our family members. We're ready to burn bridges with our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors. We're taken to the battlefields of Facebook. We're taken to the battlefields of silence. And the biggest casualty in this war is our influence. I believe God's given you influence. Every person in this room, you have influence. Influence over people in your lives. Some of you have influence over a lot of people. Some of you have influence over a few. And I believe that that influence you've been given, you've been given for a purpose. And I believe that purpose is very simply to lead people into the truth and the goodness of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. I think we're meant to leverage it for the gospel. I think we're meant to help develop and grow people, to lead people to know God and find freedom and discover their purpose, to stand beside them while they make a difference. But our influence is being sacrificed on all of these battlefields we stand on. Paul says, I become all things to all people. Paul was not a weak person who let people walk all over him. Rather, what he is saying is that he was willing to do whatever it takes to gain influence in order to get the message of Jesus into as many hearts as possible. Christians, that is what we have been called to do as well. That is who we are. We were called to lay our comfort aside, to lay our opinions aside, to lay our very lives aside in order to serve the cause of Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. Paul says in Philippians, do nothing in, uh, out of vain or selfish conceit, but in all things. But I messed up that whole verse. <laughs> Memorized it years ago. Haven't kept it fresh. The point is, value others over yourself is in there somewhere. <laughs> That's what we're supposed to do. We're, su we're, supposed, we're supposed to put our needs, our wants, our opinions out of the way so that we can put someone's eternity in the way. You've got to stop thinking about these people around you as opposition. 
And you've got to start thinking about them as souls. They are souls. Souls that we've been sent to rescue. Remember who you are. Remember. And remember, remember what the church is. Oh, it breaks my heart that I'm seeing this kind of division in the church. I think it's been just as bad, if not worse, inside the church as it has been anywhere. But we're the church. This happened before. It's not new. The church has always lost its way from time to time. That's why Peter wrote these words to the church in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. He says, the end of all things is near. That's the good news I wanted to share with you today. Let's pray. <laughs> the end of all things is near. Can I tell you, though, that is good news. Because at the end of all things, it, it gets put back together. All the broken pieces. Every tear gets wiped away. Every broken heart gets mended. At the end of all things, we live in harmony and in peace forever. He takes this broken world and he makes it the way that he always pictured it. The way he always intended it. And we get to go on. The end of all things is near. So be vigilant. Be alert and of sober mind so that you can pray. I just, so many things get in the way of us being able to worship God right now. But we're the church. We gotta, we gotta remember, we gotta keep our eyes on the end. We've gotta remember church that we're not just here for this moment. It's not just about how, how comfortable you are right now. We are here to bring the kingdom of God to the places where we live because the end is near. We gotta keep our minds in the right place. We gotta keep our hearts in the right place so we can pray, so we can seek him, so we can remain centered in his words. Above all, verse eight says, Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sin. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. That hurts a little bit. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength that God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. We are the church. All of us. Together. We're meant to be a family. The church was never supposed to be a bunch of people who are carbon copies of one another. If your church is everybody thinks the same way, believes the same things, votes the same way, walks the same way, talks the same way, you're in the wrong church. The church was from the very beginning made up of all kinds, all kinds of different people. The disciples of Jesus were diverse and different. You had fishermen 
tax collectors, zealots, and students. A zealot is a, a disciple called Simon the Zealot. The zealots were a type of religious extremist. Essentially a terrorist cell to the government of Rome. All they did was fight and train to be able to take out Roman government officials. In the year that Jesus started his ministry, there were two major attacks on Romans from the zealot group. They were violently opposed to the Roman government. And then you had a guy named Matthew who was a tax collector who had for years worked for the Roman government benefited from it, profited from it. These guys couldn't be further apart on the political spectrum. And yet Jesus called them both and said, come follow me. See, we're just not supposed to be the same. I think that's what makes us so effective as the local church. And it can be hard to exist in a community where people are so different. That can be tough. I like it when people agree with me. I love it. I love it when people like the same things that I like. In fact, if I love Marvel movies. And if you've ever said to me, I don't like those superhero movies, you've received a look of disgust from me. <laughs> Can't even understand it. It's hard when people think differently than you do and you're meant to be in community with them. And that's why we're called to love one another. Because love covers. Love covers. There's this great story in the Bible about Noah. He had this big boat and there was a flood, animals, all kinds of stuff. Terrible thing. At the end of it, they're on land again and they're all that's left, these people that were in his boat. God says, I want to restart humanity with you. A lot of weird things going on there. Noah's first move is to plant a vineyard so he can make some wine. That is a determined and patient man. It's like, I'm going to deal with this the right way. If we're going to restart humanity, we're going to need some wine. So he, he makes it, and in his first batch, he gets completely drunk, wasted, passes out, blackout drunk, naked in a cave. And his sons find him. I know. It's wild. This is the Bible. This is in your Bible. If you've ever done that, hey, you're in good company. <laughs> Noah's been there. He's, this is just, I mean, you got, it's in Genesis, guys. <laughs> Butt naked, passed out, drunk, in a cave. And an interesting thing happens. His sons find him there. And he's got a couple sons. And, and the first son, a guy named Ham, it's a funny name, I get it. Ham sees his father there and he points out his sin and he laughs at him. He makes fun of him. And he's, it's, this was not good behavior. Noah should not have done that. This was not the behavior of a man of God, of a, somebody who was meant to carry the spirit of God forward, the message of God forward in the world. He messed up. And Ham is pointing that out to everybody so that everyone might hear. His other brothers come along and they say, that's not the way, Ham. And what they did was they got a big blanket and together they backed up so that they wouldn't be looking at their naked father. And they dropped the blanket over him to cover him. Love covers. That's what it does. 
doesn't point out everything about you that is wrong. It doesn't point out everything about you that is offensive to me. It doesn't point out all the things I disagree with. It doesn't point out all the ways that I think you are just so wrong in your way of thinking, all the reasons you should be thinking more like me. That's not what love does. Love covers. And if we're going to be the church, a group of people who are so different, who come from so many different mentalities, backgrounds, who have so many different thoughts and opinions on what's happening around us right now, it is only going to work if we learn that love covers and we begin to love each other deeply. Love is not dependent on always getting along. If that were true, my wife and I would be in trouble. It's not dependent on always getting along. It's a choice that we make on how to treat another person, how to see them, how to view them, how to receive them. Love each other deeply because love covers. We are the church, all of us together. Together, we're the people of hope. And we're the people of forgiveness and grace and peace. We are the protectors of truth. We bring the good news. We are a place of refuge for those who are weak, broken down and tired and hungry. We are givers of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances forever. Jesus said, on this rock, on the rock of the message of who he is, the message of what he came to do, our salvation in him, on that rock, on that foundation, he said he would build his church and that even the powers of hell would not prevail against it. All of us, together with all our differences. We are the church. We're meant to serve. We're meant to use our gifts. We're meant to use our words to, to make sure that when we speak, we're careful. Because we should be speaking as though who speak the very words of God. That when we serve someone, when we use whatever gift we've been given, that we do it as though we are serving them as the hands and the feet of God. We have to choose our words carefully. We have to make sure that our agendas, the agendas of our words align with the agendas of Jesus. And so we have to, church, we have to remember who Jesus is. Number three, remember who Jesus is. Jesus lived in a very politically turbulent time. There were Jews who believed they should be going to war with Rome to remove Rome from power. And Rome was a pagan culture and they celebrated every form of sin as a normal part of their culture. They were occupying the city of God. But Rome was never the focus of Jesus' ministry. He didn't lead a revolution. He didn't take up arms. And that cost him some followers. Instead, he was always fixated on the people, the people affected by it, the people who were, who were living underneath it, even sometimes the Romans themselves. 
He showed love to them. He healed them. And he shared a better way to live with them. He didn't go to war with every person who disagreed with him. He didn't call his followers to do that either. Instead, what Jesus said was to go and love your enemies. Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. And that verse refers to a law that was Roman law in occupied territories that if a soldier came along with a bunch of gear, they could conscript, conscript anyone around them into service to carry their gear for one mile, and then they would find another person. Jesus says, if the government makes you carry their gear for a mile, go ahead and carry it for two miles. Take it further to show value to that person. Verse 43, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. And if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet your only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Christians, don't just get around people who are like you. Don't only love the people who think the way that you do. and Don't only greet the people who vote the way that you do. Don't only come around the people who are going to agree with everything that you say. Anybody can do that. The rest of the world, that's how they're living right now. They're, they're, they're throwing aside any person who disagrees with them. Church, we just, we never throw a person aside. That's not what we do. We are the people of second chances. We are the people of grace. We are the people of peace. <laughs> anyone, anyone can find a yes man to just agree with them and to be around them and to echo their views back to them. But we are the church. We follow Jesus. And Jesus was always getting around the people different than him, who thought different than him, who lived different than him, who was criticized for it his whole life. But he didn't care because he came to save them, because they were souls, because they're not just opinions, they're people. They're people who've had heartache and heartbreak and pain. They're people who are afraid, who feel hopeless, who feel left behind. They're people. And we, we are the bringers of hope for them. We failed at this on every side of the aisle, Christians. We've judged one another. We've distanced ourselves from one another. We've withheld love from one another. I've done it. Very few of us have clean hands at this moment. But Jesus calls us to a much higher standard. Are you ready for this? Verse 46, 48. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's a stressful verse. Come on, Jesus. But the word perfect here could also be translated complete. And that makes more sense to me. Don't just be one thing or the other. 
be all things to all people in order that you might win some for the cause of Christ. Be complete in your love for one another. Be complete in the way that you cover one another. This is the heart of Jesus. This is who he looks for. Jesus opens up this big sermon, this moment. And he just starts listing the kinds of places he goes, the people he looks for, the hearts he wants. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we're drawn to Jesus because of his kindness, because he includes those who never felt included, because of his message of grace and of truth. We've got to be more like Jesus in this season than any season before it. As you walk in these divisive times, I'm not telling you not to have your own beliefs and thoughts and opinions about what's going on out there. I think you need to. I think we need people of God, followers of Jesus, to care about politics and to care about what's happening around us. Because we don't want the only voices in those arguments to be voices who don't have the Holy Spirit. It's important for you to, to, to have your beliefs and to vote the way that you vote. Just don't ever put them above the cause of Christ. Don't ever put it above your need to love people, to win people for the gospel, to serve people, to get on your knees and wash someone's feet. Never let it prevent you from having the influence that you need to bring the gospel message into the hearts of as many people as possible. That's what you've been called to do. That's what you've been set apart for. And so it's okay to have things that are important to you and that matter to you and that you fight for. That's fine. But there is only one hill that you have been called to die on. It's Calvary. It's the cross of Jesus. The place where we are meant to go to lay our lives down for others and for him. Look at the hill that you've been willing to die on. And if it's not Calvary, come down off that cross. And get up on the right one. If you're in here today and you haven't got a relationship with Jesus and, you know, maybe, maybe you're hearing this and you're just beginning to understand the heart of who Jesus is. And you're ready to follow him. Maybe you're so tired of all the fighting and the arguing and the, oh, maybe you're exhausted by it and you need a place to rest. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary 
and heavy laden. I will give you rest. If you're ready to be in relationship with him, hey, we're not perfect. You just heard, listen, I'm not perfect. We don't get this right all the time. You don't have to be. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to walk out of this space the best person you've ever been. You just start the relationship and we, we just begin that journey together. If that's you, every head bowed, every eye closed, would you say this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my mistakes. Forgive me, Lord, for making it about me. I need you, Lord. I believe in you. And I give all that I am to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.